Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. I'm going to read from the NIV. It says this, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around. And ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept on pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing and she went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Amen. Father, we thank you this afternoon for your precious word. Lord, speak into our lives. Lord, may it transform us, may it do something new, stretch us, release us into a next season that you have for us. God, we thank you for it. And Holy Spirit, just speak into our lives right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. The title of my message this afternoon is this. Nothing short of everything. Nothing short of everything. I want to encourage you this afternoon because I believe as Christians sometimes we... We get into seasons where we feel like we're on empty. Do you ever feel like that? That you have got to the very least of your resources. You've exhausted your resources. You feel like you have nothing left in you to bring. Nothing left in you to sustain you. And you get to the end of your tether as it were. And you feel like you're kind of on empty in your tank. And this woman in this story, she's kind of at that situation where... She's in a season in her life where her husband has just died. It was from the company of the prophets and she comes to Elisha and she's describing how the creditors are going to come and take away her sons. And that's what they did in that day and that time. And so she's under threat. She's in a position of loneliness. She's in a position where she feels depleted of resource. And I don't know if you ever feel like that sometimes, but you feel like you've given out everything, but feel like you don't have anything left. And I want to encourage you today because I really believe that the story, it talks a lot about oil, olive oil. It talks about the fact that provision is given when she trusts God. Can I first of all say that if you're in that situation, God is bringing you to a place of trust. He's bringing you for a reason to train you and to teach you. And let me tell you, some of the biggest trials you'll go through are the best training ground for God to teach you about how to trust Him even more. So if you're right there right now and you are looking at that gauge in the car of your life and you see that 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 sign is down at empty and, and believe you me, when my car gets down to empty and on zero, I try to see how many more miles I can get out of it to try and prove that there's more left in this tank. And that there's more left in this, this car. And it's amazing what you can get out of a car that says zero. And, and, but I, I want to encourage that for you. Because you might damage the engine. But what I will say is this. Some of us right now, we're looking at that gauge. We're saying, God, I, I, I feel weak. I, I feel like I don't have much left. Can I say to you, Paul in the Bible, he had strength when he felt his weakest. Paul's gauge 
was on zero, but yet he felt amazing sometimes. Yet he felt he could operate in a way for God like he never could before. And his weakness released a new strength. He says this in, in, in Colossians 1.29. Paul says this, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Wow. Did you get that? In other words, he says this. He says, to this end, I'm contending, I'm fighting for, I'm believing that God's going to help me because his energy is in me. The Holy Spirit. Do you know that oil is a signifying image of the Holy Spirit? If right now you feel empty, you feel like you've come to zero, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is your source, he is your strength. He is the very thing that Paul had and thousands of years on today, right now, he's your strength. He's your support. My children, the other day, they they said to me, Dad, can I have some Red Bull? And I said, you don't want Red Bull? And he said, but I want one. He wanted a big, huge can of this stuff. I said, that's energy drink. You don't want to have that. It's got caffeine. Uh, That's for later on in life, son. Not now. You do not. Just have a Diet Coke. And he kept on asking me because he wants to try the energy. Some of us right now, we need extra energy. We feel like we're depleted. But the Holy Spirit is your energy. He's your source to keep you contending for the faith. The oil represents here provision for food, for cooking. So so we see the oil that this, this woman has... She says she's got a little bit of it. It represents food. It represents perspective. They use it for lamps to see. What you can see. It also represents power for fuel. Let me tell you that God right now is your provider through his spirit to sustain you, to strengthen you, to give you provision to keep on going. He's your perspective to give you revelation, to see the way when you don't know where the way next is. He's your power. Acts 10.38, it says this, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Do you know that oil was used to anoint people? It's representative in Luke. When when Jesus steps into the Jordan, he is anointed. He's ready for the task. And I want to tell you today that God, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're saved, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've been empowered, you've been clothed from power from on high, and you've been given the ability... To keep your tank running even when it looks empty. Wow. I'm excited about that because I know that whatever I feel like when fear is fighting for my faith, I know that in faith in Him, there's always power. There's always something. And so this is the problem today. When when this woman, she gets to the end of herself, her, her husband's died. She's feeling emotional loss. She feels depleted. When God steps in, something changes. Something changes. What does she do? Verse 1, it says that the woman cried out. Now there's, I can just leave now. She cries out. When you get to the end of yourself, you need to cry out to God. You don't cry out to your best Christian friend. You don't cry out and ask them to give you the answer. They're going to give you advice. But even Job got some great advice. But the answer comes from God himself. Because he's your source. He is your strength. Am I preaching to you this afternoon? He's your strength. Hallelujah. And so when we understand that, we don't rely on people. People are good. But people let you down. But God is our strength. It says she cried out to Elisha. Now, yes, she cried out to a person, but she cries out to the man of God. Because the man of God is representative of God. And so she comes to him. She says, I have got nothing. She cries out. Let me tell you, your way out is to cry out. If you're in a position now where you're saying, I'm feeling depleted, your way out is to cry out. Remember that this afternoon. 
And, and just, just the other, other day I was, have you ever had these moments? I, I sometimes get them. But I had one particularly the other day. And I, if you know me, I, I try to be transparent about my life and where I'm at. Because I know that I'm not, I'm not running on, on 100% fuel and feeling on top of the world all the time. But I, I woke up just the other day. And have you ever had those moments you wake up and everything feels terrible in the morning, doesn't it? You can't, you, everything just seems to like, the weight of things in the middle of the night or the morning. And I woke up and for some reason I just felt, I can't, I can't take this. The pressures. And you kind of put your head under the covers and just think, oh, I can't face it. And, I, and I'm telling you, I cried out to God. Now, I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I've cried out to God and asked him to strengthen me many times. But to be quite honest, I don't, I've never really meant it. Because when I really did it, I really understand what it means to cry out to God. So when you really cried out, then you realize all the other times you did cry out didn't really mean it. Because actually you were okay. You, th- you were just doing it. But sometimes God brings you to rock bottom so that you'll cry out like she did to Elisha. And so sometimes you better, get, you better understand that those moments are precious moments. Those moments are precious that you feel so terrible that actually you've gone to God. Because God says, now I've got your attention. Now you mean it from the heart and not from your mouth. And so I got to that point and I cried out. And I'm telling you, this is truth. I cry out to God and say, God, I need you to tell me you're there and I need your strength. I pulled over, the the covers were over my head at this point. I come back to the real world. It's like, come on. And I get get out of bed and I get my phone and I look at my phone and there's a message. The message that I got from someone in this church was sent several minutes before I looked at it. And it was sent... At the time, I cried. And I'm telling you, I cried. Cried out. And I realized that God is real and He hears my cries. And He hears you. And He'll take you to rock bottom sometimes so He'll teach you that so you know. Now I've got to learn something from that and say, God, I realize that you really do hear my cries. And I want to encourage you, when you get to rock bottom places, just rejoice. <laughs> because God is teaching you something. She cried out. I want to just bring a few things to you this afternoon to encourage you in this story. Because I really believe that some people right now, you may be at your rock bottom. You may be at your empty. You may feel like you are depleted of all resources. Number one is this, your perception determines your provision. Your perception determines your provision. 2 Kings 4.2, Elisha replied to the woman and says, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? This, check this out. He asks her, he says, what do you have? She doesn't say, oh, I've got this. She says, your servant, re- referring back to her husband, your servant has nothing there at all. In other words, this is the house. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. I want to encourage you today that sometimes you feel like you've got absolutely nothing. Sometimes when you first look, you say there is nothing there. I don't have anything left. But then she says, except a little oil. Except a little oil. Now, I was just this week, I was at someone's house for dinner and from the church. And at the end of the night, they said, we want to pray for you. And we said, we've got some oil. And so they, they got this oil and they said, we want to anoint you. And I'm like, wow, I like that. Because it's biblical. And I like that. And, and interestingly, it was only the other day before that, I said to God, I'd love to get some anointing oil that smells nice. You know, I just like to get some good, good quality oil. And then they said, we were going to anoint you. So I said, oh. So they bring the oil out and, and I've got it here with me. The little box, he said, you can keep it. So God even blessed me with it then. It smells great. Got a big hair on it. Do you know what it says on the front? It's blessings from Jerusalem. Whew, powerful stuff this. Anointing oil. The lion 
of Judah oil. Wow, you all want this now, don't you? It'll be on eBay later on. I'm like, wow, this, it, I could smell it on me when they put it on me. So I left then, I'm like, wow, I'm anointed to do anything. Come on, I'll raise the dead. But you know, this thing you probably buy one on Amazon, cheaper than eBay. You'll get one of these. And if you, if you like good olive oil, if you like, you know, you've got a whole ton of it in your cupboards, whatever size bottle you've got, this is a very small bottle. So it's a little jar, a little bit of olive oil. Do you know on the back of this, it's got James 5, verse 14 to 15 on it. And you see, the thing is this, and I'm going to read that to you, because it says this, is anyone is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Wow. The Lord will raise them up. I want to tell you today, the little you have as the power in faith to do great things. But what the devil wants to do is to tell you that the little something you've got is absolutely a big nothing. So the little something you do have, there's a little bit that you have left, is actually a big nothing. And you better forget it because it has no power or substance. But I want to tell you that in faith... You can take any oil, whether it smells nice or it says it's from Jerusalem or not. And in faith we believe James 5 comes into action. And the word of God through faith takes what little you have, what's insignificant to the world, becomes powerful in your hands. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So it means that what's inside of you can touch this world and change it. Wow. I put here that what you perceive in faith determines what you receive in faith. You know, the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew chapter 14, John chapter 6, we see that when the feeding of the 5,000 takes place, Jesus says, you feed them. They want to send the crowds away. He says, you feed them. You give them something to eat. To have something to eat, they had to bring their little something. So they bring, the, the boy, he's got this, this fish and these loaves in a little sandwich box comes along and they take this and they use that. Let me tell you right now, there are some of you right now that all you have is a sandwich box with a few fish and a bit of bread. You're looking at 2019, you're looking at your future. You're saying, I don't know, I'm, I'm depleted. There's nothing here. In, in reality, I have nothing. The truth is you have everything. Because if you serve a God of the impossible, you serve a God who can multiply, you serve a God who can do a miracle, then now I'm going to tell you this afternoon, what little you have is a big something. It's a big something for God. You see, God takes little things and uses them for great things. He's got a great ability, God, in switching our view, because the kingdom of God is very different, that the big things that we make big in our eyes actually become small. The woman with the, the alabaster jar. She takes expensive perfume that has great value that everyone in the room sees as significant. And then she uses it on Jesus. And now the big things that, she, that the world looks at become small in her eyes compared to the value of Christ. God is in the business of taking your eye off what looks big to you. And making it look small in comparison to him. And he's in the business of taking what's small in your hand and turning it into something great. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's the kingdom of God. He wants to take ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. And use you. In Exodus chapter 4, God says to Moses, what's in your hand? He's got this staff. Hasn't he? He's got the staff and, and, and he ends up throwing it and he does his snake trick. I mean, wouldn't you like that? Go around everywhere, just say, check, this is my God. And a snake appears. And prove it. When you're, that person in work saying, I don't believe in your God, well, check out my staff. They'd soon be running out of the office, wouldn't they? <laughs> Exodus chapter 4, we see that. We see... That he, he comes and, and he proves, he, he realizes his staff has the power because God's going to use this. But then later on in Exodus chapter 14, he's, he's asked 
to raise his staff and his hand to part the Red Sea. Listen to me, church. What the devil does is he tries to get you to think the little thing you have now that achieved things in the past does not have the power and authority to part sea. It can only ever turn into snakes. You remember what you did in Exodus 4, Moses? Well, that's your limit. That's all it can do. But let me tell you, God goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. And when he goes from glory to glory, he's telling you this afternoon, the little thing you saw last year or five years ago that he did with what you have, he says, I'm going to do something even better because you're a people called to part C. Some of you are saying, I ain't got a staff. You don't need a staff. The power of God is in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Do you know if some of you here a few weeks ago shared a story of me meeting a guy in the gym? And I, and I prayed for this man, and I asked for a word of knowledge. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge, and he gave me the word Gary Barlow. And I said, do you like Gary Barlow, the singer? I said, I believe you like this singer. And I shared some words of his life. He turned to me, and he just said, how do you know that? He said, how on earth did you know that? He says, I used to be in a Take That Tribute band for 10 years. I was Gary Barlow. I said, well, there you go. And then he said, and I even went, I was about to go on the show for Gary Barlow's show, for the Let It Shine, as Gary Barlow with my hair blonde. I said, well, he said, I never made it on. I goes, well, praise God. <laughs> he was shocked. He was so shocked. And I, he said, how did you know that? And I, sh- I, led, I, I led him through the gospel. I shared the gospel. I was with him 30 minutes. Then I said, can I pray for I was talking and praying for him. I said, do you have any pain in your body? He says, I have a problem with my heart. So I prayed for his heart. Said, Holy Spirit, come upon him now, because I believe that there's power in our hands. When we lay our hands on the sick, the Bible says they should recover. So I, 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 I pray for him. I said, God, I invite your peace right now. And I'm doing this while everyone's pumping away there on the bikes, watching me, thinking, What are you doing? And I did it because I stepped out in faith with the staff in my hand. I stepped out in faith with the little I have, because I believe the little I have can produce great. Okay? And so I did it. The guy's quite shocked. He didn't say anything, but he was shocked about the word of knowledge. Week and a half goes by, and he meets me again in the gym this week, and he walks over to me. I thought, I'm going to just carry on as normal. This guy is a, he's a homosexual. He's told me about his relationships. He asked me what I thought, and I just said, well, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Then it'll change everything. I said, you need, he needs to be priority in your life. I told him that before. And then he comes over to me, and I'm just kind of cycling away on the machine. And then he walks across and he comes straight up to me. And he says, can I just ask you a question? Do you know anything about me? And I said, sorry, there was sweat dripping off my face. I said, what do you mean? He says, do you, do you really know me? I said, well, I said, look, I know nothing about you. He says, I'm just amazed. He goes, but the thing is, he goes, it's all very strange. He says, when I left here a week and a half ago, he goes, I've had no problems with my heart since. <laughs> Praise God. He says, I've had no problems. He says, it's all very strange. I said, there's nothing strange. It's Jesus. And I'm sat there on the cycle machine. I've got sweat dripping down my face. This guy's in front of me. And he's telling me that everything's strange. And I'm saying, it's not really that strange. Real, this is real. And then he says this to me. He says, I left here and I went to see my friend. And she's a Buddhist. And he says, I told her what had happened. That you knew things about my life. He says, and she said, oh, my Buddha. He says, because she doesn't say, oh, my God. She says, oh, my Buddha. I said, oh, wow. I said, wow. Listen, the little you have within hours gets into a Buddhist house. Come on. And I knew I was in the gym for another reason than losing weight. <laughs> I knew there was some reason to go there. Come on. Hallelujah. (laughs) God wants to take you to, to start to think. The little I have. I'm not depleted. The little I have. If it has the ability to change a snake. In the past. Then it has the ability to control the sea. 
It has the ability to do both. It, it has the ability to do unlimitless, countless things that you don't know. But you've got to trust him. You've got to say, God, I haven't got little, I've got everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing is this, your obedience determines your abundance. Your obedience to God determines your abundance you will receive. Second Kings 4.3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. You see, I expect Elisha to, as a man of God, to just turn around and say, let's just, let's just pray and let's just wait for the oil to appear. But, but I don't know about you, if I, if I was that woman and I asked Elisha and I cried out and I got to my rock bottom and I got to a place where I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to cry out now to God. This is it. So I cry out to God and I cry out to the man of God and the man of God replies and says this, I want you to go around all your neighbors, all your friends and get as many empty things as you can. I would say it's time to go to another prophetic conference to get another word. Because I would say, I don't like that word. I want to receive a word that says, go around to my neighbor's house and get as much oil as I can. Excuse me, can I have some oil because I'm running out? You see, the problem is that when everything gets the depletion for us, what we do is we trust in man rather than God. God says, I want you to trust in emptiness. In fact, when you surround yourself in emptiness, you surround yourself in impossibility. God wants to take you to a place where you start saying, I don't need man to be my blessing. I need God to be the blesser. I need God to be my provider. Whether it comes through man, however it comes. Whether it falls out of the sky as bread. Whatever way it comes, He is my provision. Not that person who gives you some money. Not that person who, who buys you something. Listen to me. They are a blessing from God. But they are not your source. They're not your source. He is our source. Get as many empty jars as you can. I'd be a bit tired. I'd be like, what is the point of empty jars? I mean, I got a little bit of oil, but empty jars. It's not even jars with a bit of oil in empty because God loves to get you to your place where you have absolutely nothing nothing so that you believe him for everything some of you right now you've been surrounding yourself with emptiness and putting in a, yourself in a place of impossibility for a number of years now you've been saying I've trusted you God but God's saying you got to keep Keep putting empty things around you. Don't just ask for a few. There's a bit more work to do because I want you to put more jars around you. And the more jars you keep putting around you, there's going to be a time when all of a sudden I say enough's enough and it's time to do the next instruction. But some of us are saying, I'm tired of collecting empty jars, Lord. Isn't it time I got the oil yet? I want to go, I want to go and get the oil now. And the Lord says to you, he says, I want you to understand, child, you've got to learn what it is to keep on trusting me and gathering emptiness around you. Because it's building up a miracle in your life that something is going to happen on a greater magnitude. Hallelujah. Don't just ask for a few. There's something about surrounding yourself with impossibility that will release immeasurable things from God. First Kings 18, Elijah goes up to the top of Mount Carmel. He's got the prophets of Baal. Right now, he needs to prove himself. You know, it's that moment that when you really need to prove God and you've got your staff and you want to prove, him to prove God in your office. And say, look at this, it turns into a state. And sometimes you're in front of people, you're trying to prove God. You're there and you've been given everything. The sacrifice is built, the stones are laid, the wood is there. And what does Elijah do? He says, get me four jugs of water. And let's make this whole thing impossible. Let's make this empty. Let's make it harder. Let's make everything really, really hard. 
Because the harder we make it, the more God will, res- will return and come and do something. He will do something right now and demonstrate his power. So he gets four jugs of water. You can imagine the prophet Sabal all watching and everyone's thinking, what on earth is he doing? Pouring it on. There's another jug. Come on, let's go for this. Let's make it even wetter. Let's make it impossible. Surround yourself with impossibility. Obedience. Obedience determines. When you obey God, it determines your abundance. It determines the quantity. It determines what God is going to do. I've put here that impossible positions make way for immeasurable provisions. Impossible positions. When you're down to that place of impossibility, it makes way for immeasurable provisions. I've put next is that we don't just surround ourselves with impossibility, but we surrender to intimacy. What do I mean by that? I'm telling you something here. This woman, she receives instruction. The sons are watching. Remember, the sons are worried as well. They could be took. Everyone's a bit fearful. It's not just the woman. She's worried. They're worried. They've been going around. They've all been grabbing these empty containers thinking this is a crazy idea. We cried out and this is the kind of response we get. Let's go to another prophetic conference. But no, she she wants the empty jars. So they do it. The next instruction is, go in the room on your own and shut your sons out. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in in our lives, God will ask you to do things. He'll ask you to trust Him. He'll take you to levels of faith where you have to trust Him. And sometimes you've got to shut out the voices most closest to you. The relationships that are most close to you because they will distract you from the obedience that releases the abundance. Uh, You know, I I know some great people, great Christians. They'll give the best advice. But sometimes God knows it's not that their advice is bad, but they will limit you to your abundance. Because they will limit you. Why? Because many people you meet, even in the Christian circles, find impossibility hard to understand. So impossibility, they want, they want to attach things to it to make it a bit more easy to understand. So sometimes when God speaks to you and he speaks through the prophet to the woman and she receives this word, when you receive that word of instruction, sometimes there's only you who understands what God's telling you to do. Sometimes the other people don't understand it. They might participate in it. They might participate in the vision that you're presenting. But sometimes they don't get what you've got. They don't understand what's going on in here. I want to tell you right now, if God spoke to you and he's asking you to trust him and you're thinking this is a bit crazy. Sometimes he'll ask you to shut the door and sometimes you've got to get in intimate positions with him. Because in intimacy is where you learn to trust God. When you spend time with him in the private place, you really learn what it means to trust him. And so I'm encouraging you this afternoon because I want you to understand that actually some of us, we think that Trusting him is learned in the public place all the time. No, it's in the private place. So in the private place, when we learn to trust him, we push out the voices. God releases something in a new level. Go inside and shut the door behind you, it says in verse 4. And your sons. Must have been hard. I mean, you imagine the sons there outside. They've just, they've just spent all their effort trying to get the containers. If I was them, picture the scene. You've got to think this. A miracle's about to occur. The woman's in there and she starts pouring the little bit of oil and it all starts flowing. The sons are outside saying, Mom, can we have a look? What's happening? Be quiet. Hang on. Oh, wow, it's, it's coming out. Oh, we want to see. No, you've got to stay outside. Just stay outside. And there she focuses on God. She focuses on God's instruction. Not a distraction on his instruction, and it flows, and it flows. Some of you right now have got people around you in your life. You're going to have to cut off some relationships with people, and you're wondering, why has God told me to shut the door on some relationships? I'll tell you why, because he's releasing you into the next season of something far more amazing than you've ever seen. When the Holy Spirit begins to work through you, the flow of the Holy Ghost will work through you into the next season that actually is saying, you don't need these voices right now, you need my voice. 
Because I am true. And I am truth. And I'm releasing you into the fullness. There is more coming. I said it on Vision List. Something is about to happen. And for you, something is going to happen. But you must spend time in the quiet place. And listen to him. Listen to his instructions. Spend time in his presence. I went to the cinema yesterday with my boys and go in the cinema. We watched Spider-Man. And the boys love a bit of Spider-Man. And we get to the end and we come out. And we walk out. And uh, the lady says to me as we're walking out, she says, did you see the extra bits? I said, what extra bits? She said, the extra bits at the end, after the titles. And I'm like, after the titles? She said, yeah, go back in. So we go back in the room and shut the door. She says, all the lights go out at the end. It starts again. A little section that you've not seen. So we stand there with the boys. Everyone's left the cinema. And we're stood there waiting for these extra bits. My boys are running around saying, Dad, are you sure there's anything coming on? And I'm just stood there waiting for these titles to go up. The music really slow. You know, it's like, it's the end. The titles tell you it's the end. She comes in with a sweeping brush. She stands behind me. She goes, it's, it's coming soon. I thought it better be worth it. I thought it better be worth this. Can I just say off the record before I tell the end of the story, it's not worth it. <laughs> so if anyone says to you at the View Cinema to go back in, don't go in. <laughs> go home. But you know, for the benefit of the children, I stood there. They then said to me, Dad, what was that all about? I said, I don't really know. But we saw it, didn't we? And she even said to me on the way out, she says, make sure you tell everyone else there's an extra bit. I thought, I won't be doing that. But how many of you know, some of you right now, you're at the end of yourself and it feels like the credits are going up and there's nothing more because you never expect anything else. You never expect anything else bigger or better. You never expect anything more. But the Lord wants you to know this afternoon, if the credits are going up on your story, there's more. There's extra bits. There is more provision. There's more coming your way. And you have just got to trust Him. Hallelujah. See, a greater demonstration from God in his provision requires a greater attention to him. She had to put all her attention on him. Could it be that today you need to shut the door on some things? You need to close the door to distractions so you can focus on God so that he can release the provision and the flow of the Holy Ghost in your life on a bigger magnitude. See, Jesus, he himself knew what this meant because in Matthew chapter 16, he was telling his disciples, he's telling the people who's saying, you know, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again. And his friend Peter, you know, that close emotional friend he's got, that friend who's walked around with him, that person who he loves so much and he just loves to hang about with him. And this person's eventually going to go on and preach the gospel in Acts and see thousands get saved on the day of Pentecost. This person chirps up and says, this can't happen and tries to stop Jesus. And Jesus responds and says, get behind me, Satan. If I'd have been Peter, I'd have been like, sorry, did you just get that wrong, Lord? <laughs> sorry, did you just call me Satan? Satan? Get behind me, Satan. You see, Jesus knew what he was about to do would release something far greater of immeasurable immeasurable quantity what he was about to do to go to the cross to die and to rise again was so great and Peter could not understand it so he says get behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me you do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns in other words he says I'm shutting the door because I'm on my way to Gethsemane where I will be crushed in the olive grove and I'm going to face a crushing. I'm going to face a place where it feels like I'm empty. The Bible says that he, he, he emptied himself. Philippians chapter 4 says he became nothing. Sorry, 2 says he made himself nothing. He became nothing. He became the empty vessel for you and for me. And so he says, I'm shutting the door on this. I'm shutting the door on this because there's something greater. I need to keep my focus. You see, what you focus on is where you flow from. 
What you focus on is where you're going to flow from. And so Jesus knew that he had to keep focused on the cross. Keep focused on the task. The problem is, is that if, 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 if men get involved and people get involved, what happens is this. They try to turn something into a method rather than a miracle. And this is what happens. They become methodical rather than miraculous. God wants you to understand that actually there's a miracle about to take place in your life. And people can end up diluting the miracle to a method. If you do it this way, then it's the best way. No, no, no. God's told me this, and this is what I'm going to do. This is the way I'm going to do it, and I'm going to believe my God. Second Kings 4, 6, it says, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. Shouts through, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Stops flowing. God can only work in things that are available. He can only work when there's something available for him to work with. And so what God wants is, he wants our empty places to become available. In 1 Samuel 3 verse 4, the Lord is calling Samuel. He's sat under the authority of Eli the priest. And so he's in the temple. And he goes and says, I'm hearing this voice. And he says, you know, you need to go back to that place, that solitary place. You know, that place, private place where you shut the door. You need to go back there. I'm not the one. Who's going to make you hear the voice? You need to go back. And so Samuel goes and he says, here I am, Lord. That is our vessel, our empty vessel saying, I am at my end. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Fill me. Fill me. When you make yourself available, he will fill you. He only can deal with things that are available to him. When you shut off to him, he can't do anything. And I want to encourage you today to make yourself available to him. Finally, number three, your faith determines your future. Your faith, it determines your future. It says this, Verse 7, she went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I want to encourage you today. Because what Jesus does in our lives, when he died on the cross for you and for me, he died in order that not only can you have salvation, but that we can know life afterwards through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not just about Jesus' death. It's his resurrection we live from. We live out of the flow of the resurrection life that he gave us. And, and so, she, you know, this, this woman, she goes and says, I've got all the oil. I've got everything. I did what you said. Here it is. And he says, okay, now you can sell it to pay off the debt. The rest you can live on. What is left? This is pictorially the gospel. That when you do what God says, when you surrender and you can't create salvation with any of your friends, you've got to put them aside because it's about a relationship between you and God yourself. That when you do what he says, what his word says, that you cry out to him. Because the Bible says that everyone who calls on his name will be saved. That when you cry out to him in your weakest place, that he will come and he will pay your debts. And not only will he pay your debt, but he will give you something to live on. He will give you a future because he paid the ransom, the price. And now he gives you life, abundant life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us are saying sometimes, I, 
I feel in debt. I've been in debt. I've been in debt when I was at university. I leave university and I've got a big student loan on. I did everything I could to avoid paying it. My friend who I used to live with, he, he said, I'm a U- U.S. citizen. He said to me, he said, Phil, he said, as soon as I leave university, I'm going over to the U.S. If you stay there 10 years, then you don't have to pay it. I thought, well, you've got a plan, haven't you? I didn't have one, so I had to stick around and pay mine. So if anyone's got dual citizenship here and you're a student, you've just got a tip. It's just unfortunately the taxpayer will have to pay it for you. But the thing is this, some of us, we try to avoid paying our debt. You can't avoid paying the debt because the debt's always there. So this is why you need Jesus. I met someone on the street the other night and I said, you're in the red. You need to come out into the black. Every single person is in debt to sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so what you need to understand is that Jesus pays the debt. He was crushed for you. He became empty for you. He became something that was insignificant to the world. You see, when people see things that are small, they see it as insignificant. Some people look at Jesus now and they say he's insignificant. He's just a prophet. He's just a person. He's a special man. He's not a special man. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's our saviour, Jesus. And something so insignificant, people doesn't, didn't realise that when Jesus went to the cross and he died and he goes into the tomb and the door is shut and the stone is rolled over, that what is happening between the relationship between him and his father is that he's going to the places where no one else can see because he's in deep communion with his father and he knows that what he's about to achieve is going to bring life and touch many and the abundance of his actions would touch the world. But everyone's looking, thinking, it's insignificant. It's insignificant. The the Bible says this, that the the gospel is foolishness to the unbeliever. But it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. In other words, the people out there you meet sometimes are going to say, Jesus is insignificant. He's just a little bit of past. He's a bit of history. He's a moment in time. Things have moved on. Things are different now. It's a new age. And let me tell you, everything you see now on the news and everything you think that everything's changed, it's all the same as what it was before, but just repackaged. If you think that, you've, that we're all modern, I, it drives me crazy when I, re, I hear this. Because the reality is you read the Bible, it's full of the same stories, but it's just in a new packaging. People think that they're new and they've created new sins. They've been creating them since day one. The world is full of sin. It always has been. People think that we're just, we, we're getting so much knowledge now that we're, we're so good at creating sins that Jesus is insignificant. He's of the past. Let me tell you, he's not insignificant. He is the suffering servant that was marred beyond human description that actually brings life to you. His crushing meant you can have life. He became the vessel to pay the debt. If the worship team could come by, that would be great. He became the vessel to pay the debt, but also to leave us something great. I love this. In John 16 verse 7, Jesus says this, it is, it is for your good that I am going away. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says to these people, he says, it's, it's, it's for your benefit. It's going to be actually better if I leave. What? Now, if I leave, it's going to be so much better because you don't, you're, not, you're going to have the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says. It says, it's, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. God is calling us into a deeper place of trust and obedience in this season. Where you might feel... So empty. Your resources are spent. You're exhausted. You're like the woman. You're like the sons. Fear for the future is fighting your faith. It's fighting for the place of faith. It's saying, 
You need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. Let me tell you, you can't control tomorrow. And trying to control tomorrow is what causes worry. You can't control tomorrow. You can't control your provision for tomorrow. Because every one of us, we could lose our wage checks tomorrow. Every one of us, not one of us is secure in what the world has to offer. Do you think you've got security? You haven't got security without God himself. So controlling tomorrow is trying to do that and trying to work out tomorrow. is not the answer. But it, the provision comes from him. And I believe he's bringing people into a place where they're going to cry out again. That actually you are now today thinking, do you know what? I thought I had cried out, but I didn't. I thought I'd got to my end. But God's saying, you're not there yet. Some of you right now, you've been chasing around collecting empty jars. You're looking, saying, I'm, I'm doing all this, I'm collecting it. When's God going to do something? When's it going to happen? The Lord says, keep on collecting empty jars. The more impossibility you surround yourself with, it's ready for my immeasurable touch. What I'm going to do in your life. She cried out. She cried out. The way out is to cry out. In Ephesians 3.20, I close with this. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Wow. He can do so much more than you think with the little you have. Don't let the devil tell you that the little something you have is a big nothing. Because it's the little something you have that you bring. Accept this, I've just got a little bit of olive oil. And straight away, Elisha knew, you've got it. You bring your little and it will become something. And that's where it all begins. You cry out and you recognize you've always got something always got something. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.